Hi, I'm Rob Michaels. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Guns and Hoses. It's a journey of faith for those who work in public safety and medical professions, and it's a ministry of Serve and Protect. We work with those professions to help them when they're struggling with emotional wounds. Today, we're going to talk about Philippians 2 and Isaiah 2. The title is, What's the Point? point is, picking up the pieces together. And we'll talk about what that means. Philippians 2 tells us to have the attitude of Christ. Now, that's what we've always been called to do. Romans tells us that we're joint heirs with Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. Well, how do we put on the mind of Christ? What is that and what does it mean? How do we have the attitude of Christ? Well, in Philippians 2, the writer tells us, starting out in chapter 2, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So, the first thing we're challenged to do is some self-evaluation. So, the writer says, is there encouragement from being a Christian? Is there any comfort from his love? Do you have comfort from his love? Do you have fellowship together with other Christians in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? You know, in law enforcement and medical services public safety. It's easy to develop a callous heart. You see so much. I call it a cast iron shield. You see a dead body, it's evidence. The emotion of that doesn't penetrate your heart. That may be somebody's son or daughter. It may be somebody's father. But when we look at it, we can't identify with the pain of it. So we shut it out. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? It's hard to become callous and cynical in the jobs that we do. He goes on to say, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together in one mind or purpose. You know, agreeing doesn't mean we've got to have complete theological unity. I remember when I was leaving Columbia Bible College, we had to do an assessment. And one of the questions was, what theological beliefs do you need to share with someone you would work with? So I went into to the um, examination that day and the, the evaluation, uh, and the, the gentleman I met with was asking me, so what you're telling me is all of these things are who you need to, to work with, and they need to agree to all of these beliefs? You do understand the only person you could work with is John Calvin, and he's dead? That kind of made me think. There really is a core that we need to hold on to. For me, it's the virgin birth, that Jesus died for our sins, that he's the Son of God, that his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead bought my salvation. Those are the things, the core of the gospel, 
that we've got to hold on to together and we've got to agree on wholeheartedly. We need to love one another. Now, that doesn't mean we got to feel good about each other. That's a different kind of love. What he's talking about here is we have to have selfless love, unconditional love, not judging each other, not picking each other apart, but loving each other by choice. That's called agape love. And that's how we're supposed to love one another and working together in one mind and purpose. We've got to have one goal, one goal. And that would be to honor God and to lift up Christ in all that we do. That doesn't mean we got to stand on the corner and be an evangelist every day. But the way we do our work should not be different than the way we act in church on Sunday. Now, I was on the street, so I get it. In fact, I didn't get it for a while until God gave me a partner named Drew Grant. And Drew challenged me on how I acted on the street. It wasn't consistent with the faith I professed with my mouth. And it changed my life. So I ask you today, are you walking the walk? That doesn't mean you don't defend yourself. It doesn't mean if being in a fight is necessary, you don't get in the fight. You do what you got to do. But you do all things to honor God, not just to be in a fight. Now, how do we act? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't only look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Don't only. You see, that says it's okay to look out for your own interests. You got to take care of you, your health, your well-being, your financial situation, your family. Those are things that you've got to look out for. But not only that. We've got to take an interest in those around us and be aware. We can't be selfish and hold on to what we have like this. We can't do things to be the showboat or impress other people. We've got to be humble. We've got to do things in humility. Thinking of others is better than ourselves. So the writer of Philippians goes on, verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. That means put on the mind of Christ, as, as Paul says. We must be imitators of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That doesn't mean he put it aside. That doesn't mean he was no longer equal with God. But he said, you know what? I know who I am, but I know what I've got to do. Instead, he gave up his design privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And that's the conundrum. He was fully God and became fully man at the same time. That is the Jesus Christ that died for our sins. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, what that shows us in being Christ-like is that we need to be willing to be sacrificial in our surrender to God and allowing Him to use us any way He sees fit. And for Christ, that was a death on the cross. For martyrs, that might have been death on a cross, burning at the stake. Don't forget those that were over in the Middle East 
the 22 of them who were lined along the shore in their orange jumpsuits and had them kneel on the ground and gave them the opportunity to denounce Christ. And when they did not, they cut off their head. They would not denounce Christ and all 22 lost their heads. But they stood firm and were willing to sacrifice their life to be obedient to God. Now, the message says it a little differently, more modern English. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to those advantages of that status no matter what. What that's describing is being a servant. Now, how do good leaders take care of their troops? They're a servant. They don't just tell them to go do stuff. They don't just belittle them. But they try and nurture them and grow them. If they're harsh with them, it needs to be harsh to get to a point of education, of learning, and change. You see... We shouldn't think of ourselves as somebody that shouldn't get our hands dirty. If we see somebody that needs help, we do what we need to to help them. There's the old adage, a guy's walking down a stream, and he sees bodies floating along the water. Well, he runs down to the shore, and he starts pulling everybody out that he can, because they're flailing. He's trying to save as many lives as he can. One by one, he pulls them out. And he keeps calling to people walking down the road, come help me. And people are gathering on the shore, pulling bodies left and right out of the water to keep them from drowning. And he looks up and he sees a guy walking. And he says, won't you join us? And the guy said, no, I'm going to go upstream and find out who's throwing them in. That's funny, but it's real. We can either stand and watch people and try and help them. We can figure out what's going on. That's what we do at Serve and Protect. We know what's going on. Trauma creates a situation where it can make us sleepless. It can change the way we think by being angry or depressed. We know what trauma does. So our focus is going upstream and helping public safety, medical professionals, who are struggling, and we say, come to us. We'll find somebody for you to talk to in your area that'll help unburden you with what you're going through. We'll help you find hope and healing. You see, that's what God called us to do. So the question is, what did he call you to do? Each one of us have a call from God. Maybe it's to be a police officer, firefighter, EMS, Corrections officer, dispatcher, forensic medical examiner, a doctor or a nurse. 
Those are callings that God gives to us. And in that calling, our goal is be the hands and feet of Christ, helping those, being a servant to those that he brings us in contact with. Now, let me be clear. That doesn't mean you can't make an arrest with whatever force is necessary. That's your job. It doesn't mean you have to not be the best at who you are. You just do it in a way that honors God and all things. So, don't think being a Christian means you can't do your job completely, that you have to back down. That's not what it means. If you're called to enforce the law, enforce the law with whatever force is necessary. That is biblical. So, I tell you that to set you free from some things that have been said more recently. Now, there's a song that a friend of mine wrote, Eddie DeGarmo. He was part of the band DeGarmo and Key. Dana has gone on to be with the Lord. <clears throat> In my opinion, they had some of the best songs that were ever written for contemporary Christian music. Very biblical and challenging. One of them was, Don't Be a Casual Christian. I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want to live a lukewarm life. I want to light up the night with an everlasting light. I don't want to live a casual Christian life. My friends, Google that song, Casual Christian. One that applies directly here is a song Eddie wrote called Picking Up the Pieces. And it talks about a man, a junk man, that lives outside of town. And he, he points out that what that junk man takes is what people discard. Well, you know, many of us might have been considered junk by those that know us. They may have discarded us from their group. If you're hurting and you feel discarded, the junk man often takes that which is broken. Ed even calls it a salvage yard. Well, you know, salvage can also mean they take it, they fix it, restore it, and put it back in service. I used to like watching a TV show called Overhauling. It was about cars that were all broken down and beat up, but they were classics. And they would take that thing and take it apart piece by piece. And they would make it like new. And they'd put it back in service. And the owner who had his car overhauled was thrilled. I'd love to have my Tahoe overhauled by those guys. It's amazing the work that they do. But it doesn't compare with the overhauling that Jesus Christ does when he pulls us out of the junk heap of life and makes us new through salvation. We are told that the old man dies. Our sinful desires we are set free from. The chains of sin are broken. And we are made new, being born again into the body of Christ. Christ comes to live in us through his Holy Spirit. We have been overhauled, if you will. My friends, I can't encourage you strongly enough. You don't have to be who you are if you're not in the faith. You don't have to live that life of anger. God can help you with that. And if that anger is from trauma, Serve and Protect can help you with that because he's called us to be his hands and feet to those suffering 
from that very issue. Now, the prophet Isaiah talks about his call. And first off, he talks about compassion. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, let's break that down. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, poor can mean financially, spiritually, emotionally. We're to proclaim the good news to whatever poor God sends us to. And what is the good news? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It goes on to say, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. God didn't come here, that's the good news, to beat us up, to put us on display and show everybody how bad we are. We know how bad we are. The good news is, salvation is ours. If you feel a tug on your heart, that is the Lord God Almighty, through the power of His Holy Spirit, calling to you with the good news. Jesus died for you. Repent of your sins and come unto me. It's that simple. Now, repentance means you turn from your wicked ways. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That goes back to Eddie's song, Picking Up the Pieces. There are a lot of hurting people out there for a lot of reasons. This last year, physically, has been hard on a lot of people. Isolation, because of those year, that year. How many people in nursing homes have perished because they just gave up because they couldn't have family or friends come visit them? How many people have died by suicide because of the isolation? Those are the brokenhearted. You know, if God puts somebody on your heart that you haven't talked to in a while, maybe that means it's a good time to call them. I have that practice. If God puts somebody on my mind that I haven't talked to in a while, I'll give them a call just to say hi. And more than once they've said, man, I'm glad you called. I needed to talk to somebody. You see, friends, that's what we're called to do. Bind up the brokenhearted. And how can we do that? Because we have the good, need, the good news of hope and healing through Jesus Christ. He gave us the greatest treasure in all of the earth, salvation, freedom from sin. To proclaim freedom for the captives. You know, being a captive can mean that you're trapped in an addiction, trapped in bad practices, Maybe you live a life that is full of debauchery. It's breaking the sins in, in Scripture. You go out and party. Your whole desire is filled with fun and sexual fulfillment. God wants you to be fulfilled sexually in the bounds of marriage. That's what His Word says. But if that's how you're finding your, your emotional fulfillment... It will not last. That is a form of addiction. 
you are a captive to your sin. If your way of communicating is bullying and pushing people around to get your way, you're a captive to bullying and your own emotions. My friends, there are many ways that we can be captives. Jesus Christ will set us free through the power of his gospel and release from darkness for the prisoners. Same thing as the captives. We have been called to proclaim the good news to all men. You know, a band that I used to manage, two of the guys, um, one of them was a songwriter and he told me about going into a prison in California and he looked over and there was this big heavyset guy there that was all scraggly and he was praying with another inmate and he asked the chaplain, he goes, who is that guy? He goes, oh, that's Tex Mercer. He was Charlie Manson's trigger man. What's he doing? Well, he's praying with that prisoner. He came to Christ inside here. That's what God called Tex Mercer to do after he got saved. And my friend asked him, don't you want to be out of here? And he said, no, I know who I am. But God called me to minister to the people here where I am because he has given me an experience that makes me credible in what I say. My friends, we each have experiences in our own life. And God calls us to reach out to the ethnic groups. For me, I get to, to reach out to people in law enforcement and in the public safety world because I understand them. I was one of them. In our work with medical professionals, we have peer advocates that are medical professionals to talk with them. Those are ethnic groups. Those are specific groups defined by certain characteristics. My friend, what is your ethnic group? What is it God has called you to do? And who has he called you to do it with? You never know when God's going to put you in a position to share your experience, how you were delivered with someone else who was struggling with the same issues. Isaiah also talks about encouragement. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. My friends, there's a lot of mourning going on in our country right now. There is sadness in the political world. There is sadness in the emotional world. COVID harmed a lot of people. But so has things that have gone on in our society. I'm going to talk about one in particular, though there are many. Child sex trafficking. There is little more evil than the sexual deviance of people who harm children in sexual and violent ways. My friends, they are enemies of, the God, of our God. They're enemies of humanity because no one, no child, should ever have to endure what these people do. They are bought and sold. They are raped and murdered, all for the gratification of evil and wicked men and women. It's a global pandemic 
that's a real pandemic, is that evilness. My friends, I want nothing more than to see those who harm children face the vengeance of a righteous and holy God and for the deliverance of those who are still held captive by those wicked and perverse individuals. That has to be God's vengeance. You know, I want to touch on this as well. One of you listening today might be someone that has currently or in the past worked with those in child sex trafficking or in crimes against children. We're more than happy to talk with you and find you help because I can tell you, you struggle with recurring thoughts from the images that you have seen. We've helped people that have come out of that assignment. My friends, what you did to help save those children is nothing short of heroic. It is magnificent, it is noble, it is honorable, and I salute you. We are here for you if you're struggling with that. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, now, for those of us who are grieving because what we see going on in our country, what we have seen go on in the past 50 years with the Bible being thrown out of school, with prayer being thrown out of school, with churches being forced to shut down, with efforts to silence those who preach the Word of God. When we see that, it breaks our heart. But what does Isaiah say? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, because God will avenge His people. That's not a question. It is a promise. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. What he is saying is, the day of God's vengeance will provide for those of us of the faith. It will remove the ashes and give us beauty. It will give us joy, replacing the mourning. We will be wrapped up in praise instead of despair. My friends, all of this is for the glory of God and for His splendor. So, I go back to, what's the point? Well, the point is this. Our whole goal is to be servants of God. Helping those who are less fortunate, who are struggling emotionally. Not just We're to be servants, not just looking out for our own good. Looking out for our brothers and sisters. And you know what that means? In your job, be aware of what's going on around you. Notice those who are struggling. You might just be the only friend saving them from suicide. They need to know somebody cares. Will you be that person? There's a day coming, as Isaiah says, when God will renew us 
No more ashes, no more mourning. Joy and glory, basking in the light of the living God. Until that day, we are to be found working in His fields, doing what He called us to do. I encourage you. If you hear this and you think, I hear that, but I don't understand it. Perhaps the first thing you need to do is to say, God, I don't get it. Show me the way. He will. He'll open your eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, that we might see Jesus. You know, call on Him. He is faithful to hear you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for you. You need to call out to Him. You need to repent of sin and ask Him to take over your life. Surrender to Him as your Lord and Savior. And then join all of us on the journey of faith, serving those around us. Now, you might say, you don't know how bad I was. Well, yeah, I do. I was a cop. And until Drew Grant came into my life as my partner, I was not a nice guy. Drew challenged me and helped me see the wrong in my ways. My friends, if you're in that spot and you don't have somebody like Drew, call us. We'll help you. We'll give you a peer advocate to walk with you, to talk with you. Our number is easy, 615-373-8000. You'll talk to a safe call now, a peer advocate, and they'll send your information to us. Just tell them you want to talk to a peer advocate. But my friends, nobody is so bad like Tex Mercer, like Ted Bundy, both of whom horrible people who gave their hearts and souls to Jesus Christ. For there is none so bad or none so good. You see, you can't be so bad that God won't forgive you. The only unpardonable sin is if you reject Jesus and you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Call out to him. Likewise, don't sit around and think, I don't need all this stuff. I'm a good guy. You know, I don't hurt people. I put money in the offering plate, help out with the nursery. But you can't be so good you can work your way into heaven. Because salvation is by faith alone, not works. Now, once you're saved, you will have good works. But the faith comes before the works. The fact of the matter is, the foot of the cross is the only place that the good and the bad become the forgiven. Call out to Him. I hope you've enjoyed our session today, picking up the pieces. You know, again, I'll encourage you to Google Eddie DeGarmo, and Picking Up the Pieces, and DeGarmo and Key, Casual Christian. And while you're there, look at their other songs. They've got a lot of songs of hope and encouragement.
This is Rob Michaels. I'm your host today. Guns and Hoses, a ministry of serve and protect. You can reach me by email. Six uh, Email is rob at serveprotect.org. And I'll be glad to answer your questions. God bless you. Have a good day. Be safe.